In this episode, I'm joined by Morgan O. Smith, teacher of non-duality and with the stage name Mr. Mo, a former stand-up comedian and host of the Gemini award-winning television show Buzz. Morgan recalls his painful childhood of trauma growing up in what he describes as a Christian cult and discusses how the damaging consequences of that environment affected him into adulthood. Morgan recounts how, even at the height of his professional success in television and comedy, he felt spiritually unfulfilled and began searching for answers in hypnotherapy and holosync meditation. Morgan shares his subsequent spiritual journey of deep meditation, powerful psychedelic experimentation, contact with gurus and spirit guides, kundalini activation, and profound spiritual awakenings. Morgan also discusses the lasting effects of his awakenings, his prolific creative projects, and shares his insights on enlightenment, the personality, and more. So without further ado, Morgan O. Smith. Morgan O. Smith, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Steve. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so delighted to be chatting with you today on the podcast. You've had such an interesting life, both before and after you discovered meditation and went on quite a spiritual journey. Uh, your life has been very fascinating. And you've also been a longtime supporter of the podcast, always sharing uh, the oh, yeah. episodes and so on. So thank you very much for that, for supporting the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Podcast. Yeah, this, this is my thing. This is my thing. Like, I enjoy watching podcasts in regards to the subject matter. So I'm um, watching you uh, earlier on. I believe it was um, sometime last year. And uh, you caught my attention because I, I used to watch a lot of Senjen's stuff. So when I saw Senjen, um, Jay, and uh, Chelsea, yeah. I really enjoyed those watching those uh, discussions and, and all that. So that's what, that's what grabbed me to your podcast. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, that's, that's very nice indeed. So Morgan, you were born in Jamaica in 1972, moved to Canada, I believe, at nine months old, and you were the son of a Pentecostal mis uh, minister. And that's I think right. your, father, yeah. your father's now a bishop, actually. Yeah, um, he's now a bishop. Can you talk a bit about your early life, the context of your upbringing? Gosh, it's a very painful one, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, I did come up from Jamaica nine months later after I was born. Uh, my dad came here first to, I guess, pave the way for us. So he came here first. Actually, he came here a few years prior to, to me being born. And then he was, uh, he was um, transported back to Jamaica uh, for... Uh, I guess he extended his his uh, his uh, stay in Canada. So he came back to Jamaica. At some point, he met my mom. Um, I was born sometime later. He came back. He came to Canada to pave the way, and then we came up afterwards. And um, so I yeah, so I have no memories of that. But um, coming, we we came up here to Canada. I think at the time we were living in. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar with Canada, but I think at the time we were living in. Um, London, Ontario, and then eventually moving to the, the Toronto area. Yeah, so uh, my memories start really when my sister was born. Uh, so I have, a, I, have an older, I have an older sister and I have um, younger sisters and a brother. So actually there's eight of us all together. There's eight of us, but um, one of my brothers, he, uh, he was still born. So he pretty much died at birth. So, so there's seven of us really. So I have my five sisters and my brother. So when I came, what I remember is when my sister was born. And for some reason, that's somewhere, that's where my life started, my younger sister being born. Uh, and that's when things took off from there. So at that point, we we're probably living in a basement apartment. Um, 
you know, you know, when you're young, you just don't have the awareness of what's going on around you. But as I got older, started to realize, I think we were living in a basement apartment. I knew I had an Italian babysitter, some guy that used to take care of me, used to play guitar for me. I remember that, faint memories of that. Um, and just little small things that I, that I noticed happening around in my surroundings. Uh, at some point, though, um, the biggest piece that I can remember my childhood is being in church. So I don't know when that started, how that started, but I just remember being uh, surrounded by um, a lot of church members and, and things of that sort. So there was a woman and there was, uh, there was a, so we're part of this church and there was a split off at some point. Somehow there was some kind of, um, there was some kind of a um, disagreement or something of some sort and the, and the church split in two. So my father and our family went with this woman. Her, she, uh, her name is, uh, she's the evangelist of the church. So they call her evangelist shop. So they, we split up and went with her. And she, in a sense, I would say that she was my second mother. So she's the one that took care of me if I had to stay at the church and things of that sort. So at those those, during those times, we didn't actually have an, a church building. We were renting or they were renting out of, a y, out of YMCA's and uh, things of that sort. So I, I, have, I have some mem memories of that. Um, but I do remember building strong bonds with um, the church members and the other and the children of the church members and all that. So eventually uh, my father uh, became a Christian because I think when he first started going to the church, he wasn't a Christian yet. If I have the story correct, he wasn't a Christian yet. So eventually he gave his heart to God. That's how they use the term. And um, some time later, he became a church minister of the same congregation. Um, at this point, um, this church was very, very strict. Um, in my opinion, that's why I always, hesit I always hesitated doing podcasts because <laughs> uh, there's things I, have, I may have to share in the, uh, in the story, which, um, you know, um, if someone from the church saw that, they'd probably take offense to it. But um, I always looked at it, now in my older age, I looked at it as being a cult, a Christian cult, in my opinion. Um, and there's, I have strong opinions why I think this way. But there was a lot of things that went down in that church that were very unsettling. Uh, a lot of physical abuse, a lot of emotional abuse, physical, um, verbal abuse, all that sort. Um, and I have lots of memories of things that went down when we were children, uh, that uh, harm that was done to myself or harm done to other members of the church and, and things of that sort. Um, Evangelist Shaw has always been a, a lovely person to me. She's, I don't recall her ever being physically abusive to me, but she has been involved of uh, witnessing other people abusing me in her presence that I do remember but her personally she's never I don't recall her ever um striking me in any any way she was always a loving woman a, a loving woman and, and all that until years later at, at this point I was probably around 16 years old when my father decided to split off from the church and start his own his own church that's when I started to notice that um we were being um that we were being um uh what's the term uh, uh terms not even coming to me, but at that point I realized we're being blackballed. Uh, so I remember seeing Evangelist Shaw at a bazaar at, at, at um, there's a place in Kent in Toronto called uh, the CNE. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's an exhibition place. And I remember seeing her at this event and because she's my second mother, I remember running up to her and just to say hi. And she looked at me and just turned her eye turned. She just turned her head. And I knew at that point that I was, that um, something was, was definitely, um, something has definitely changed there. Um, I haven't seen her ever since because by the time we got to the 1990s, she passed away. 
So it's not like we're able to make amends or anything like that. So, but that's the, the, the woman that I always considered to be my second mother. Uh, so I was never able to say farewell to her or anything like that. But that's what kind of took place during my church years, which was some harsh years until when we broke away and we started our own church, things got a lot better. Uh, it had other challenges, of course, because we had to go back to the system of uh, booking rooms and not having our actual church and, and all that. So there, was, there were challenges there. And of course, there was uh, there were um, domestic challenges uh, living in 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 the home with my mom and dad, and um, my dad also being very uh, physically abusive and and all that type of stuff as well. So it got to the point where I ended up leaving home uh, around the age of eighteen. As soon as I, t I hit eighteen, uh, probably about a week later, I left home. As you look back at that period you've recounted now, how do you think that hardship and abuse uh, affected you Gosh. throughout your adult life? Well, it definitely, it, 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 it did affect me in many ways, especially negatively. Uh, I always had an anger issue. So if you, if you grew up with me uh, during my childhood, I was, I was the one that was, the, that was in the fights. I was fighting. Um, most of the times I was defending myself, but there were other times where um, even when I was defending myself, I would go far and beyond to make sure that the person who I was fighting, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to get the message across not to mess with me. So I really, I had to learn very quickly how to defend myself, um, and, and all that type of stuff. So, uh, I had strong triggers and I probably still have a few of them now, uh, but they've, they've changed a lot throughout the years, but it got me into a lot of trouble, especially in my, in my, my, um, when it, when, uh, well, a lot of the trouble started in probably around, gosh, probably around 10 years old. I used to steal a lot. I would steal from my, uh, from my, my dad's wallet and um, I would steal, uh, I got caught stealing stuff from groceries, sorry, from convenience stores and things of that sort. So I was, I was like one of those um, manic uh, thieves <laughs> when I, uh, back in those days. Um, but also, lots of fights that took place um dealt with a lot of racism too so there were times i had to defend myself against people in regards to racism depending on what uh city i was living in because we used to move around a lot until we settled in the place in a city called scarborough where, where I'm, I'm still I'm, I'm still in scarborough so i dealt with a lot of racism so there were times i had to physically defend myself for that and there were just times where uh if i if if i blew up which didn't happen often if i blew up in the heat of anger uh, someone really got hurt. Um, people got physically hurt uh, because of my because of my doing. So it got me into some trouble, and even got me to the trouble to the point where um, I had trouble with the law in in the early earlier days. So this is probably around gosh, twenty in, in my twenties, so early twenties, where I, I dealt with a lot of anger issues. So yeah, so a lot of that stuff came up, and I had to pay the price for that. So um, yeah, which I can go on for days on that alone, but. <laughs> At some point in my life, I had to I had to realize that I had to make some changes, because um, because um, at some point you start to realize that you do that I did have triggers and those triggers needed to be dealt with. There was a lot of um, parts of me that weren't healed, so I had to you know I had to go through the whole process of learning how to how to um, function in regular society. I wonder if you might talk a little bit about that process of healing those parts and and learning a different way of functioning. Really, it wasn't easy. Uh, I, well, I have to say that I had a lot of, I had quite a few uh, supportive people in my in my corner. So, 
back in those days, because after leaving home, after leaving home at 18, um, the good thing about Toronto, we have a lot of uh, uh, nonprofit um, programs uh, in, in regards to supporting youth. Uh, helping youth with employment, helping youth with uh, mental count with with counseling and things of that sort. So back in my earlier days, uh, I did a lot of counseling. Uh, I didn't know that it was counseling, but I knew that it, there was people that I could meet up with and talk about the issues that were happening in my life. Um, but it took a while before I actually knew what what actual healing was. So I got to the point where, um, well, I, I should mention this in the story for any for any of this to make sense, but. When I left home at 18, I was out. I was out in the world for about a good year and a half. And then something happened where I had to come back home. I ended up being homeless and um, I had to come back home. And my father allowed me to come back in. Uh, of course, he had his rules uh, that I had to abide by. And his rule was I had to go to church every Sunday uh, with him. That's the rule. If you want to live at home, you have to go to church every Sunday, which I agreed to. Um, four months in, uh, I, I just couldn't take it because at that time, just like yourself, uh, um, I was more of a, of a musician. So I was, um, at that point, I wanted to make a career in, um, in, uh, in music, in uh, R&B, hip hop. Uh, so that's what I was trying to pursue. And in many of those cases, uh, I had to do recordings on the weekend. So my dad said, well, you made this promise to me that you'll go to church every Sunday. And so that's the promise that you have to, to, to keep. But there was one time where I had to go to the studio and it was a matter of life and death to me. And I'm like, I'm going to the studio and I'll, I'll deal with whatever the consequences is. That led, when, I, when my father got home that day, that led to a physical, that led to an argument that ended up being physical. And I was kicked out that day, that night. Um, after when I was kicked out that night, I, I've seen my father from time to time in passing, but I, I haven't spoken to him for about seven years. And that had a huge effect on me. I would have nightmares, all these things would happen. And it got to a point where uh, what, what I know now, it got to the point where I was holding so much stuff in that it started to affect me physically. So I started to break out in certain rashes. I started to lose my hair. All these things were happening. I was going through moments of depression. All these things started happening and I had to find a way to deal with it, and which led me to stand-up comedy. So I went to stand-up comedy because when I got into that, my hair grew back. Hmm. I realized that I was dealing with, um, I was able to, to deal with certain issues just by having the ability to express myself. And then learning how to make that in, that material into jokes and things of that sort. So that all that stuff kind of led to stand-up comedy, which that worked for a while, until if I had bad moments on stage, where if I was being heckled on stage, my triggers would come back and I would strike back at people um, in in the, in, the, in a wrongful manner. So I knew that at some point uh, that I had to make some changes, but I didn't know what they were yet. So now it got to the point where. At this point now, I'm now doing TV. I'm not, so I've, I've already uh, established myself in the in the comedy circuit. Where for at this point, I was probably doing stand-up comedy for about maybe two and a half years at some at, at this point. And then I started. I, I got into TV, and uh, an altercation happened with myself and another family member. And uh, uh, and of course, uh, I I was I got violated in that situation, and I was arrested, and um, and. Uh, it was, I was arrested. I was arrested, and uh, I was uh, on the road of being uh, had to uh, deal with the conviction of, of that of that uh, situation. So at this point, I remember being in court, and uh, I'm just waiting for the judge to to make his uh, remarks or whatever the case is. I can't remember this part very well, but what I do remember 
is someone saying, hey, look, and pointed at me and say, my stage name is Mr. Mo, M-I-S-T-A-M-O. The person said, oh, look, that's Mr. Mo. That was so embarrassing to me, the fact that someone pointed me out and saw me in court that I said, I have to make some kind of a change. So that's what kind of did it for me. But it took some time later for me to figure out what that would be. My old friend and colleague of mine, uh, a stand-up comedian, famous stand-up comedian, Russell Peters, uh, at the time, he wasn't the Russell Peters that everyone knows now. So at the time, uh, but he was doing really, really well at this point, where he was already um, internationally known at this point. Uh, at some point down the line, he, uh, he brought this, uh, this, this female to the comedy club. Uh, the comedy club was Yuck Yucks. That's the, our home club back in the day. And uh, her name was Tara. And we became friends. We became friends. We used to talk all the time. We used to, we'd hang out. We, um, all this stuff, everything that's happened in her life during that point, I was involved in. And she was involved in points of, of my life during that time period. Uh, somewhere down the line, she said to me, uh, um, have, you, have you ever tried shrooms? And I was just like, what, what is that? And she said, oh, it's magic mushrooms. I'm like, I've heard of those. She goes, yeah, she tried some time with me. And I always um, uh, turned it down. And she wasn't the only one. I had other friends too that she was involved with that also uh, would uh, have these requests and I've always turned them down. So at some point though, now at this point, I'm heading, I'm into my thirties. So at this point, I think I'm 30 years old. Yeah, probably I think I was 30 years old at this time, at this point. And, uh, I have a successful career in TV. All this stuff is happening. It's going really, really well, but I wasn't fulfilled. So something, something wasn't touching the depth of my soul. Uh, so I picked up drinking. And for those people who know me, I'm not a drinker. Those are one of the things where if I have a drink, I may have a drink one day and not touch it again for another 12 years or so. I've just been, I just always been that, that type of guy. Uh, but I started to dabble a little bit in that. And I also start to start to dabble in uh, smoking marijuana. Uh, not just smoking it, but drinking it as a tea and things of that sort, because um, I was struggling with trying, trying to figure out something I couldn't figure out. And also too, I was also struggling with the idea. I, I wanted to break out creatively. I wanted something to happen that was so creatively expressive that, um, that it would somehow fulfill me. So I, I was trying to figure out that, what that was. So I started to dabble in smoking marijuana, drinking it as a tea, uh, and then at some point I said to Tara, you know what, if you have any shrooms, that's just, let's just go for it. So she, uh, she brought me over some shrooms and, um, I took it and all I can say is what a profound experience I had. I don't remember what the experience was. I remember we were watching a movie. I think we were watching Reservoir Dogs <laughs> as we were taking, as we were taking shrooms. And I had this extraordinary mind-blowing spiritual experience. Uh, I do remember it was like I was having a, con a conversation with God that I do remember. And that was it. I came out of the experience and that stuck with me. Um, now I look back at it now, it was probably nothing, that, nothing major, but at that time it was very profound. And um, that was enough to change me to want to go deeper into what I just, um, what I just uh, experienced. So it was something that I talked about a lot with people. Uh, I would ask people if they ever have taken shrooms, have they ever had this experience? And most people that I ran into said they've never had an experience like that. And they would express to me the type of experience they did have, which was more recreational. And I was like, no, I'm not really interested in all that. I, I'm looking for some kind of a spiritual thing. So this, that stayed in the back of my mind. It's not something I touched again for a number, for probably a few years. But then 
uh, I have another friend of mine, uh, and she's very um, in Canada. She's very uh, popular uh, in the TV in the TV scene, and she still is. And uh, she came back to me one day, and she said, "Oh, by the way, I just uh, tried hypnotherapy." And I'm like, "Hypnotherapy? What's that all about?" So she's giving me a rundown about hypnotherapy, and I had some idea of it because I, I had a few colleagues who were um, professional hypno um, hypno hypno. Um, um, what do you call it? <laughs> Hypnosis. Um, but they were, but they were um, hip, hypnotic entertainers, if you want to put it that way. So I had some idea of what they did. And she said it was a lot different than that. So I said, you know what? I do have problems with doing auditions. I always got nervous and uh, got a lot of anxiety when, when it came to doing auditions and, and stuff of that, of that sort. So I said, I want to try some hypnotherapy and see where that takes me. So I, um, I found this uh, hypnotherapy place. I booked some sessions with them, probably like 12 sessions with these guys. And when I went to, their, to, their, um, to, their, to my first session, uh, the hypnotherapist pulled out these light and sound machines. So he put on these light and sound machines. He said, we put this, you put on these goggles, you put on these headphones, and we turn on this device, and you're going to hear these tones in your ear, and light's going to be flashing in your eyes. I said, okay, what's that supposed to do? They said, well, it's supposed to change your state of consciousness. I said, okay, cool. All right. So he hooks them up. Um, I think he had me in the alpha theta state and he would do his, um, he wrote out a script of, uh, I had to tell him all the things that I was trying to work on. And some of those things that I wanted to work on was uh, like I mentioned, opening up creatively, getting over my, um, my anxiety and stuff, stuff of, of that nature. But also I asked that I wanted to open up my mind to the possibilities of whatever, whatever, whatever it is that's out there. So he, he did that. And then um, I had to uh, do these sessions in, in, at, at, uh, at the actual location and I had to do some back, backup sessions at home. So, and I did that for a time period, maybe for about two weeks or so. Around the two week period, Mark, my mind started opening up, opening up creatively. Like it was extraordinary. I was able to go back to old jokes and beef them up and come up with new material. I'd wake up two o'clock in the morning, have to write things down. It was just amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, what are these things? So I said, I want, I want to know more about these light and sound machines. So I started doing some, doing some research on it and uh, ended up uh, ordering two devices. So I bought one for myself and I bought one for Tara, my friend who introduced me to shrooms. So we started playing around with these machines for a bit. And she started tapping in into a lot of intuitive stuff. Um, she would think something and it would happen like some, like some real insane stuff that she would tap into. And I just kept doing it for creativity. And then, um, one day I remember I was heading to a gig, uh, out of town and I almost got into a car accident. I slid on the road and ended up in, um, in a, in a snowbank. And, uh, some of the people that were on the road came and helped me to dig my vehicle out of the snow. And I was calm throughout the whole, the whole period. And I was like, hold up a sec, that's usually not like me. What's going on here? So I said, you know what? I want to know more about this uh, light and sound machine thing. So after a while, when you're using these light and sound machines, after a while, it, it, it stops, it, it hits a plateau and it doesn't work in, in the same manner. So I said, there's got to be something that's stronger or something that's deeper that I could use. So I'm, I'm surfing the internet. And then one day I found um, uh, um, a website from a company called uh, Centerpoint Re Center Research. And that was uh, um, an organization set up, uh, founded by Bill Harris, the late Bill Harris. So he talked about this product that he has called Holosync. 
and that hollow hollow sync uh, is a is a, a techno type of meditation brainwave entrainment that when you use this you can you can meditate uh, as deep as a as a as a monk. So I said, okay, this is some huge claim here. So I'd read all the information. It was intriguing to me. So I said, um, I'll order the the sample that the the free sample that they were that they had out. So I ordered the sample. And back in the day, you had to order your product, of course, and wait weeks for the product product to come in. So I think about three weeks later, two or three weeks later, the product comes in. I listen to it, and of course, this sample he's talking about the technology while he's playing the um, the entrainment in the background. So I, I, I listened to it. It was probably about forty minutes long. Uh, nothing really happened, but I was it was enough to intrigue me to say I want to order the first uh, level of this program because it's a thirteen level program. Mm -hmm. So I said I want to order the first level of this program. So I ordered the first level. Weeks later, the 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 product comes in, and I I, I actually used it wrong. So it's an hour long, and you're supposed to listen to the whole hour. It's half hour uh, session, so you have to listen to the first half hour and move on to the second half hour. But what I think I did was I just I jumped to the second half hour, not the first. So I put these things on, closed my eyes, and I felt something on the top of my head. I didn't know anything about chakras at the time, never even heard of them, but something was happening on the top of my head, uh, which I've never felt using light and sound machines or anything, or I've never experienced that before in my life. But that was enough to intrigue me to want to continue with this. So I said, wow, that is pretty cool. I don't know what that was, but that was pretty cool. So I kept using this program. I kept on using it every day. And um, at some point, um, at some point, I'm sleeping and I woke up, I was having a wet dream. It's just one of these weird things. I was like, what the hell just happened here? Uh, so I said, this has to, has to do with this, has to do with this holosync meditation thing that I'm doing. So I kept doing it. And then after, after as I kept doing it, weeks later, I, I remember um, going to a period of, um, I always forget the term for this type of phobia. The fear of the outdoors, what's it called? Agoraphobia? Yep. That's what it is, right? Agoraphobia? Yep. That's right. Uh, I couldn't leave my house. I couldn't leave my house. I looked out the window and everything I, I saw outside scared the crap out of me. And I was like, what's going on here? And I did read the manuscript. It did talk about uh, some of the upheavals and stuff like that could, that can happen with Holosync because you're now tapping into the subconscious mind where you may be holding a lot of rep repressed unconscious material. And what I didn't mention earlier about, um, about uh, living with my, with my family, living with my dad, is he wouldn't allow us to go outside. It was one of those things where, because he had this thing where everyone, every, everyone on the outside, outside of our church or outside of our, our social circle is evil. This is this, this thing that he had. And there's kidnappers out there, there's murderers, there's rapists, there's pedophiles, there's all these people out there. And he was trying to protect us from all that. So we didn't have the opportunity of going outside to play if he was home. If he wasn't home, my mom would let us go outside and play. But, uh, but even still, only like in the backyard, we weren't, allowed, we weren't really allowed to play with other people. So I remember as a kid looking out the window, just wishing I could play uh, street hockey with the other guys and, and all that stuff, which really affect me, affected me on, on a social level. So this I remembered as a kid. So now I'm 31 years old at this point. I'm looking out the window and I'm scared to death with everything I, I saw looking out the window. And this lasted for about a week. And then it, it cleared up. I couldn't even do my gigs. I had to cancel all my stand-up gigs because I couldn't do my gigs. I was afraid to go outside, go on stage, look at other people. All that stuff started happening while I was doing this, uh, this Holosync meditation. So a week later, that cleared up. I was back to normal. I was able to go, go to my gigs and, and, and do all that. 
But as I'm going to my gigs, I'm talking to people about this stuff and saying, yo, have you ever heard of Holosync and the strange things that it does to your, to your brain? And no one's ever heard of it. So I just kept on doing this Holosync thing. And then um, sometime later, um, it was on a week, it was a Friday night. I went to sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night and I was drunk. And as I said, I'm not a drinker. <laughs> this is one of those things I do once in a while, whatever. But I woke up drunk, no alcohol in my system. I was pissed drunk. And I'm like, but I was functional. I was able to do all the things that I can do. I was functional, but I had the feeling, the state of being totally drunk. I was like, what is going on? What, what is this stuff? So that intrigued me even more. So I kept on doing this um, as, as time went on. I, I kept on doing it and never missed a day. I just kept on doing this thing every day for an hour because I trusted Bill Harris's uh, um, uh, belief in this, in this program. So I just kept on doing it as much as I, every day, I did it every day for sure, one hour a day every day to see what would happen next. Um, two years in, maybe I don't think it was even two years, maybe about a year in, uh, I was in our last season of our show because our show lasted nine seasons. So we're in our last season. And at this point, I'm losing motivation for everything. I'm losing motivation for stand-up. I'm losing motivation for entertaining. All that type of stuff started to happen to me. So uh, we, we came to agreement to end the show. And then after that, I pretty much just took two years off, just taking care of my two boys. Um, you, you may have heard my, my eldest in the background helping me with the, this Wi-Fi situation here. So um, I, kept, I kept on doing that every day. Other types of experiences started to happen. Uh, that were just pretty extraordinary at that time, especially not having any spiritual experiences and things of that sort. But as I was doing this every day, and um, and of course, I'm getting calls for other gigs, I'm turning them down. Uh, I'm getting some calls for some TV opportunities, I'm turning them down as well. But there was an opportunity where uh, a friend of mine who was also doing this stuff with me, uh, where we wanted to create a, a sketch comedy show and something, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't happen for whatever reason. So. I still had some interest of going in the entertainment business, but all the other stuff that I was doing started to change. So I kept on doing this for two years. I was taking, I took almost two years off from doing anything. I'm just here at home, meditating, taking care of my boys, doing my daily stuff, dealing with the stuff that's coming up like anger, because anger was my, one of my biggest issues, dealing with the anger, the built-in anger that I had towards my father, towards the church, towards uh, the, the racial situations and all that type of stuff. So I'm dealing with that stuff as it's coming up to the surface and I'm dealing with it because the idea behind Holosync is whatever happens, let it be okay. So if anything comes up to the surface, just become the witness, allow it to happen, allow it to do what it needs to do and eventually it will go away because whatever, everything is always, nothing is permanent. So what comes, goes and what, you know, and, and all that type of stuff. So I just kept on doing this stuff every day as much as I could. Um, the big breakthrough started to happen, actually, before I even get into that, um, one time I was meditating and something occurred to me. Okay. So I have Tara. Tara gave me these shrooms that <laughs> some years, uh, some years ago. What if you combine the two? What if you combine psychedelics with, um, with brainwave entrainment? So that was the thing I says, you know what, I'm going to try this. I'm probably the first ever to ever do this. I had no information of what was going on anywhere around the world. So, so, you know, what? I'm going to try this experiment. I'm going to try, uh, Holosync with, uh, with, uh, with, with psilocybin. I didn't even know the word psilocybin at the time. I just called it magic mushrooms. So we didn't, I didn't have any psilocybin, of course, but um, Tara, we're still meeting up every other week or so because we're still good friends at this point. And uh, she made some, some marijuana cookies. 
<laughs> so I said, you know what? This should be able to work with any type of uh, with any type of um, um, substance. So let me see what would happen if I took these these uh, marijuana cookies while doing Holosync. So I remember being in her vehicle, and we took these cookies, waited waited for it to kick in, and then we both we had a, a double splitter, and we both um, I put the double splitter into at the time we were using CD CD Walkmans, CD Mans, and uh, we plug it in and we would listen to Holosync together. And so we plugged it in. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, this bright blue tiger appeared in my in my vision, and I remember seeing this this same tiger when I was about when I was a baby when I was a baby I was still in the crib. I remember having visions of this blue bright tiger in my visions as a baby, and I remembered it so clear. And I said, "Holy shit, there's something going on here because I've never experienced anything like this on on weed or eating weed cookies before." So I said, there's something going on with this, um, this brainwave entrainment um, in, in conjunction with uh, psychedelics. So some time passed, I left it alone, I didn't do it again. And then after maybe about a year into it, I said, okay, I'm, I'm willing to, to start doing experiments with psilocybin. Take psilocybin, put on the headphones, sit back and relax and see what would, ha what would happen. And the, the experiences that would happen with the combination of the two were very different than the ones that I had without. So as the years went on, I kept on doing this. Um, she fell off at some point because she wasn't that interested in all that type of stuff. She had different interests. So I kept on running these experiments on my own. Um, and this went on for about maybe close to five years, five years on and off, just running these experiments. Every day I'm doing my regular holistic meditation. And then from time to time, I'll do a psilocybin session. So I kept doing this. And during these sessions were just absolutely incredible. Um, Nothing to do with spiritual enlightenment or anything at that point yet, um, but uh, I would have these experiences where I would meet with these uh, with the spirit guides and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it got to the point where I would meet the, the, the higher selves or the spirit guides of people that I knew, and they would give me messages to give back to their physical bodies, which was really strange at the time. But I had an incident where my my good friend, we're still good friends now, my friend and coworker, former coworker, Michael, uh, he, in this one, in one of these visions, he appeared to me as his higher self, and he wanted me to pass a message of inspiration to his physical body. So I would do that. I, I took the information. Uh, I went back to Michael and told him what he, what his higher self told me to tell him. So I would do that. I did that for a number of people, um, but I wanted validation. It's like, how can I vouch that this stuff is true? So um, at this point, I'm in the nonprofit sector. So I'm in nonprofit. So there was a kid that I used to work with. I can't even remember his name, but it was the kid I used to work with. He was uh, probably 12 years old at the time. And this guy was annoying. This guy would, and, but he's doing it out of love. He, he just had a love for me, but he just didn't know how to express it. But he was very annoying. So he would come and bother me every day. He got to the point where he, he would even come to my workplace to bother me. So that's how much he wanted to be in my presence. So I'm like, why is this kid always bothering me? So I remember one day doing one of the, the psychedelic trips and his higher self, quote unquote, came to me. And I saw this higher self and I knew who it was. And I said, oh my gosh, we've been friends for thousands and thousands and thousands of, uh, of years it, it, within different reincarnations. And he goes, yeah, that's why, I kept, that's why I keep bothering you. I'm trying to remind you that I'm your friend. We know each other. And I said, wow. And we had this happy moment while we're in this, this I don't know, this 4D world or whatever it was. Um, so he, we shared that moment with each other. But after that, that kid never bothered me again. 
which I found very, very, very interesting. From that point on, that kid has never bothered me. I still see him from time to time, like on the streets. And when I see him, I, I, I shout out to him and he said, hey, Mr. Smith, and he just keeps going. Never, everything just changed from that moment. And I went, I always wondered, wow, was, was, that, was that a real thing? So that's what uh, I started to say to myself, maybe there's some, it could be some truth to this. So after a while, those things kind of got boring for me. So I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm still doing all these experiments, but I wanted more. There's something, I said, there's something more that I, that I want out of this. At some point, uh, there was a guy that I met. I can't remember his name because I didn't know his name at the time. I didn't know his name for years, but someone to tell me what his name was, but I can't remember at the moment. But um, I met him at this event and it was this guy, a black guy. He had, uh, he had locks. Um, I swear he was wearing a robe and wearing sandals. He looked like Jesus. And I was like, what's, what's up with this guy? So um, he, he always walked around. He carried a, a book uh, by Osho. And I never heard of Osho at the time. So he had this book and he would read to the people who, would, who were willing to listen about Osho. So I, one day, one, one, this one time, uh, I went and just to hear what he, what he had to say. So he read this scripture or he read this um, paragraph from Osho that just got me intrigued. Um, I can't remember what the, the actual quote was, but it had something to do with that God is not, God hasn't created anything. He's still creating. And that was enough for me to say, I need to look at this Osho guy. But the same guy here, uh, he, he spoke in a, in a certain manner and uh, he never claimed to be enlightened, but the people around him said he was like an enlightened being. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I, I would just watch this guy speak from time to time. And um, at some point he disappeared. I, I didn't see him again until time went on. Then this is back in 2008, where I, I did the experiment again, did the experiment, uh, had psilocybin, had holosync, which I'm still doing every day. And um, I remember doing i remember being in an experience where i met these these reptilian type of aliens they were on a spaceship and i was on the spaceship with them and they were i don't know they're trying to they're trying to um they were trying they were they had some message about mankind i can't remember what it was but i really didn't care i was just like you know what i don't care for any of this i just want to experience enlightenment i just want something more than what's going on i wanted to experience i want to experience god if, if there is such a thing uh, that's what I want to experience. The, these alien type beings went away and then I'm sitting there and nothing happened. I, I, the trip started to wear off and I was probably only like maybe 40 minutes in. And I got so, I was so distraught. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I can't believe this is not working. Why is this thing so hard to do? And I remember like taking off the headphones and just throwing them down. And as I did that, I took the headphones and I threw them down. It happened. All of a sudden, who I was as Morgan Smith started to go into the background and something started to come forward. Uh, it was like, um, it was like a, an empty witness of some sort, um, an essence, a divine essence. It was so absolutely mind blowing of what was taking place at this moment. So Morgan, Morgan's going in the background, this thing is coming forth. And in that moment, it's like I knew I was God. Uh, it was something that's never happened before while running any of these experiments. Um, it was so profound that to the point that anything I looked at, uh, it was God looking at God. So I, I was in my room at the time. It was a Saturday afternoon. If I looked at my TV, it was God. If I looked at the, the wall, it was God. If I looked at um, any of the books there, I have a lot of books in my room. It was all God. I got up to use the washroom. I passed by my, 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 my children's room. 
I looked at them, all I saw was God. I went into the bathroom, I stared into the toilet bowl, all I saw was God. It was the most mind-blowing experience of my entire life at this point. Um, this probably lasted about three or four hours. And then slowly I came back to myself where the ego, Morgan came to the forefront and the essence went into the background. But now I was able to notice that where before I'd never noticed there was a background of anything. So that alone changed my life. Having that experience, uh, now I guess I'd call that um, the, the stream entry uh, uh, part, um, that alone changed my life. So from that point on, maybe for the next, within the next six months, I became a vegetarian because in that experience, not only was I the wall and the books and my children, but I was also all animals, all species. I was, I was uh, all reptiles. I was all microscopic creatures. I was everything. And at that point, I just couldn't, I couldn't eat meat anymore. And it's been the case till now. So this is 2000, 2008 at, the, at this point. So I was, still, I was so astonished by the experience I didn't say anything about I didn't say anything about the experience to anyone. I just kept it to myself because I'm like, did I just go crazy? Because I don't know what just took place here. All right. So I kept it to myself for two weeks. After the two week period, the same guy, Mike, that I remember Mike, I was telling you about earlier, where I passed messages to him from his higher self. He was the first guy I went to because I knew that he wouldn't judge me. So I went to him and I told him about the experience and he just went, wow. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And then I told it to another person and he hung up the phone on me. He didn't want to hear it. <laughs> he did not want to hear it. We, we, we probably only spoken twice since then because it disturbed him that much, right? So I, I said, I don't think this is something I can tell everyone. So at this point, I'm like, I have to know more about what's going on because I didn't know, really know, I didn't know anything about non-duality. I didn't know anything about any of that type of stuff. I read, I, I read some Osho after that guy exposed Osho to introduce Osho to us. I read some Osho stuff. Um, I found Osho very, very intriguing. That pretty much was it. That was the only guru I, I, I knew. So um, time went on and I said, I have to talk about this somehow. I have to talk about this. So I'm, I'm a youth worker at this point. Right? I'm a youth worker. I'm working in different schools. I'm working in public schools, Catholic schools. So one day I, I went to, um, uh, I, I became friends with, this, um, with uh, the philosophy teacher at this Catholic school. So I said to him, is there a possibility that I can come into your class maybe once or twice a month and just talk about Eastern philosophy? All I really wanted to do was talk about my experience. And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. You can come in and talk to our class. You can talk for the whole period if you want to. So I go in the, I would go in the class and talk about this experience from the third person perspective. So I never said it was my experience. I just said, these are things that could happen to you on your road to uh, of, uh, of, of spiritual awakening, that type of thing. And um, people were intrigued by it. People, and they had me come back in every month for like 10 months. And I'd just come and talk about these experiences. Uh, but it was all about me. But I just didn't word it that way because I'm in the school system. And, um, and people in that class, which later on I can get into, were so inspired by that, that other things took place from people from that class that were in that, that philosophy class at that time. People I still work with, with I still work with today. And uh, so that's what took place. But I kept going on with this uh, because I didn't have another experience like that for another two years or so, maybe close to two years. So I'm still doing the meditation, still doing a hollow sync. Um, I'm still doing hollow sync and I'm still running psilocybin sessions, but nothing like that ever happened again. So I've had like, you know, the typical um, mind blowing peak experience, but that thing never happened again. Two years in, 
I'm doing Holosync. I'm doing the rendering experiment. All right, happens again. Mind blown. Same thing happened just like what happened two years prior, whatever, looking at the wall, the wall, I'm the wall, I'm the floor, I'm the, the air that I'm breathing. All that stuff starts happening over again. And I'll just, just take just blown away by what's, what took place. Shortly after it happens again. So now it happens for the third time. But in this, the third time though, wasn't in the exact same way which happened with the, the two sessions prior. In this case, it was more like, it was more like, um, more of a, of a nothingness experience as opposed to an everythingness, everythingness experience. It was like a nothingness experience, but it had the same essence, but it was, but there was like nothing in it. It was like hollow. It was, uh, and, and though I'm saying hollow it was totally full within itself. See, it's real hard to, to explain it, but it was, it had this, it had the sense of it not being referred to anything. Hard to explain though. Uh, and it, but it was just as breathtaking as the other two sessions. Shortly after that, it started to happen all the time. Same type of experience starts to happen over and over and over and over again um, throughout this time period. So now this is happening. I'm now writing about it at this point. I'm now so inspired by it. I'm writing uh, spiritual quotes, all that type of stuff is coming. Um, the stuff is pouring out of my head. I'm writing stuff down and doing all this stuff and whatever, and just trying to see what I can make out of it. And at this point, I still never even heard of non-duality or anything like that, of that sort. But as time went on, uh, I formed a relationship with a group of people, uh, a large group of people. It's probably like probably like 50 people or so. And um, one of the guys, we used to call him Shaman. We still call him Shaman. He's still a friend of ours. And um, he said, uh, hey, I have, um, I have access to DMT. I'm like, DMT? I've read about that. I read about that a number of times, but I was always been afraid to try it. And I didn't know anyone who had any access to DMT. So one day we all decided that we we're going to get together and try this DMT thing. All right. So we get together on a Thursday, on a Thursday night. At this point, I wasn't planning on doing it. I was just going to come in to supervise. But as we got there, we got to the park. I looked around. I said, you know what? I'm so intrigued. I have to try this thing. All right. So we try. We, I, I remember being, uh, I remember taking this DMT and um, I was outside in the lawn, in the grass, in a, in a park, in, a, in an open park. So I'm, I'm on the grass. And uh, I take, um, I, 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 I inhale the substance and my body became the ground. And I could feel the worms and the bugs and everything coming in inside of my body as I was becoming the ground. And then I came back to myself and I went, whoa. And my, my friend goes, that wasn't it. I'm like, what do you mean that wasn't it? He goes, that wasn't the breakthrough. I'm like, that wasn't the breakthrough? <laughs> He's like, no, that wasn't the breakthrough. Let's wait a bit, let's try it again. Right. So we waited for about an hour and then we tried it again. So this time he gives me the, he gives me the, he, he allows me to inhale the substance. Um, th at this point, we're sitting in his car. So I'm sitting in his car. I take the substance. All of a sudden, there is this tree, a cosmic tree. Um, and, and it had fruits on the tree, but each fruit was a baby of some sort, like a baby. It was a fruit that was like a humanoid babies that were growing off this cosmic tree. So I, I, I made the assumption that this was a this was some kind of a mother, a cosmic mother of some sort. She disappeared, and what appeared was uh, it, it transformed into it transformed into this being. It was the size. I don't know if you're familiar with the CN Tower, but here the CN Tower is the, is the tallest tower here in Toronto. It was the size of the CN Tower. It was huge, but it was made up of 
thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of other beings. Like, so this, this image was made up of other beings and they're all aligned. Um, they're all aligned and all the beings had their arms crossed like this and they were singing this, this, this tone just over and over and over again, just singing this tone. Um, the, full, the whole entire body was made up of these beings as they were aligned to make up its, its face, its ears, nose, neck, torso, everything, all the way down. But his arms, um, well, let me get to the head. The head his head had uh, locks coming out of his head and they had eyes um, aligned coming through all the locks. And his arms were made up of branches, like tree branches, but they're intertwined and they made up the arms. And he was doing like a, a mudra as he had it um, rested on, on his lap and his legs were in a lotus pose. And the, uh, the legs were also made up of the roots of a tree that were um, intertwined that made up the legs and they're cross-legged or in a lotus pose. And he sat there in this meditative pose. So I'm looking at this being now and I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, what the hell am I looking at right now? The being stops, looks at me out of curiosity and I started crying. So I'm, I'm crying. The tears are pouring out of, my, out of my eyes. And as the tears are pouring out of my eyes, I started to dissolve into the ground, into the roots of this being. I wake up out of the trip. I ran out of my boy's car, ran down the street crying and laughing for about an hour. <laughs> and that was the experience that I had with DMT. Nobody else had this experience, even though all of us, people had breakthrough experiences that day, but no one had an experience like that. And I said, oh my gosh, there's something really going on here. So uh, at that time, I had a mentor and his name is Hugh. And Hugh, we used to go to see this guy at this bookstore. And uh, he would talk about these uh, experiences and the experiences that he had. So that experience that I had freaked me out. So he was the guy that I called. So I called up Hugh, Hugh and I told him what happened. And I went to see him at the bookstore one day. And so I'm telling him about the experience. And Hugh is sitting there and he's sitting there smiling and he says, you haven't even, you haven't, you haven't even um, broken through. You haven't, you haven't even, um, what did he say? You, you're only, you haven't even scratched the surface is what he said. So that's what he said. He goes, you haven't even scratched the surface. I said, Hugh, what do you mean? Are you listening to me? What I just told you, I met this being the size of the CN tower made up of thousands and thousands of beings all singing the same tune. I told him about the, the locks coming out of its head. I talked, I, I talked about the arms, the legs doing the whatever. And he looked at me and he goes, you haven't even scratched the surface. And I'm like, Hugh, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I don't think you're even listening to what I'm trying to tell you here, right? So I took what he, what he had to say. So he said, okay, I haven't, I haven't even crossed the, I haven't even um, scratched the surface yet. So I kept going. So we kept going. And at some point uh, we were introduced to LSD. So LSD became part of the picture. Um, that was the substance I've always been afraid to try because you know, you've heard the stories of all the things, uh, the, the bad reputation that it has. So I did my research on it, found a lot of great research. And I said, you know what? Based on the research that I'm looking at, I'm gonna, I'm, I wanna try this thing. So I wasn't the first to try it. One of our other guys, he was the first to try it out. And he says, guy, you need to try this thing. So again, got my Holosync, put on the headphones and whatever, tried LSD. Uh, but these were at small doses. This is probably like about like 80, 100 micrograms at this point. And the experience was very similar to like the, 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 like the shroom experience, but no experience of any form of um, scream entry, no teria, no teria tita, none of those things. It was just a cool peak experience. 
but it was enough for me to say I'm willing to try it again. So I tried the second time at the same dose. And at this point, I felt like I was tapping into some um, telepathic stuff. So I would think of something and the person, someone, the phone would ring and the person would say the same thing over the phone, like this type of stuff, which is pretty cool. But again, that's not what I'm looking for, right? Like at this point, I'm, I don't care about any of those peak experiences. I don't care about meeting aliens. I don't meet, care about any of that. All I want to know, can I tap into these higher states of consciousness, right? So the third time now, which is probably months later, uh, I, I took um, probably about 200 micrograms of this, of this thing and it happened. Boom, I'm in it, Taria. Same thing like happened before. The difference is with this one, it becomes a lot more detailed uh, to the point where I can't even explain the detail, but it just became, it just became more deep. There's a difference between the two uh, of psilocybin versus uh, LSD where it becomes very, very detailed, becomes very analytical. Um, but you're in the experience of being the divine. It was so mind blowing that that experience also changed something about me during that time period. Um, uh, 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 there was a, there was some transformation that happened there. Um, we, I kept and a few other of us kept on experimenting with these with these substances, but at different degrees. Like people weren't taking like 200 micrograms. People were sticking to the 80, 100 microgram um, measurements and all that. Um, and so we kept on doing this for a number of years. Um, Mind-blowing events took place. I'm here, um, at this point, I'm talking to larger audiences and um, you know, people are now, I started a group and people come down every Tuesday to have these, discussion, these discussions and a lot of great things came out of it. Uh, but then there was another um, uh, break. So at this point, psilocybin is a thing, uh, NDMT is a thing, uh, LSD is a thing. And then it got to a point where, because I'm, I'm cutting a lot out of the story just because of time, but um, in 2018, um, a friend, like, no, I should go, I, should, I shouldn't jump to 2018, probably 2016, 200, uh, 2017, um, I wanted to try how it would work with ayahuasca. Right, so it was an ayahuasca period because now NMDMT has been explored. So it says, so we um, I, we met a shaman. Uh, we go see the shaman every so often. So I did probably about 10, 12 sessions with the shaman and to see what would happen uh, under the influence of ayahuasca. Um, by the third or fourth session, same thing happened, just from a different perspective. Mind blowing, just what took place. I can do a whole episode on just ayahuasca alone. Um, and of course, other personal changes start to happen. And just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I'm now dealing with a lot of the, the, the personal uh, issues and wounds and stuff that I was going through in regards to the anger. A lot of this stuff started to be lifted, especially with the use of, of doing, um, of doing um, brainwave entrainment. Um, the part that I did miss, though, uh, back in 2011, I decided to create my own uh, entrainment. So at this point, I'm not, I'm not using Holosync anymore. I'm using the version that I made, which is called Unergy. So Unergy is the brainwave entrainment, which is a combination of brainwave entrainment, but the works, uh, the theory of micro, Marco, Marco Roden, he was the, the founder, he discovered a thing called vortex-based mathematics. So I took his work and combined it with brainwave entrainment. So that was my other experiment. And then I started to experiment with the LSD and all that stuff with this uh, Unergy entrainment that I'm doing. So at this point, I'm not using Holosync anymore. Um, but yeah, so just to just to throw that in there. So now 
we're doing these experiments with uh, ayahuasca. And again, there are things that I can say about that or can't say about it because those were its own mind-blowing experience of, of itself. But later on, uh, but no, the reason why I'm bringing up the ayahuasca though is because during one of the sessions, I met, I met this uh, person there, uh, a female there, um, that helped me when I needed someone to help me uh, during one of my most um, challenging sessions with ayahuasca. Um, I had another breakthrough, another major breakthrough, and, but I needed assistance. And she was one of the people that helped uh, assist me. We became friends. And then um, sometime later, she came to me and she said, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm going to spend a weekend with this practitioner, uh, with, with the uh, practitioner and his group of people in regards to 5-MeO DMT. So for those who are listening, 5-MeO-DMT is a different substance than N-N-DMT. So when people talk about, N about DMT, they know about, most likely know about N-N-DMT. They may not know about 5-MeO-DMT. So on N-N-DMT, uh, you may have the experience of the most, um, you, may, you may have some of the most profound visual experiences known to man on, on, on N-N-DMT. But on 5-MeO-DMT, there isn't, there isn't really much to see, per se. You may see like a bright light, and after that, everything is coming out of you. It's just, it's a feeling. So she told me about 5-MeO-DMT, which I read about as well, because there was a book that came out by James Orock. James Orock was called um, Tryptamine Palace. And, uh, and rest in peace, he just passed away. He passed away at some point. Uh, something took place where he, um, he, he ended up dying. But he was a guy that I used to email uh, after reading his book, because I wanted to know uh, was I taking, I didn't know what kind of DMT I was taking at the time, um, back 10 years ago. So I, I wanted to know if I was taking NNDMT or 5-MeO-DMT. So I would tell him about my experiences. So he'd write back, which it was nice for him to do. He'd write back and he says, I think what you were, you were taking was NNDMT. Years later, my friend here is telling me, telling me about trying 5-MeO-DMT um, with this practitioner and his group of people, his group of, um, uh, of um, clients. So after the, that session took place, I turned her and I said, so what happened? And she says, I, 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 I don't have words. <laughs> you may have to talk to me another time. I don't know what to tell you at this, at this moment. I don't have words. Maybe, maybe another time. So time passed. I don't know. If, I can't remember. It was a year or two years that passed by. At least a year passed by. And, I, and I, one day I was just curious and I, and I, and I, I contacted her and I said, hey, You've never got back to me to tell me about what happened with this 5-MeO-DMT thing. And she says, oh, I didn't. I'm like, uh, well, I, I said, well, could I meet this practitioner? And she says, yeah, matter of fact, you, I think you can. He's in town this week, uh, this week or for the next two weeks or so. I'll contact him. So she contacted him. She hooked me up with the practitioner. I had to do this whole um, phone assessment and all that because they don't just take anyone. Um, you have to go to the assessment. They have to check your mental health and, and all that type of stuff. And then this is 2018. So I go, I go to this practitioner now and I try 5-meal DMT for the very first time. And just from the moment I took it, everything that's ever happened to me in the, in the previous years with uh, the stream entry and the peak experiences and Turiya, all this stuff you want to call it, took place in that moment. It was so profound and so mind-blowing. I can't find words to describe what took place here. I said, uh, <laughs> I remember leaving, I remember leaving the, the, the building that I was in and I made a call to one of my other good friends and I said, her name is Amy. And I said, Amy, I can't express to you what just took place just now. 
uh, with Five Mio. Five Mio, it surpassed anything that you've, I've ever done with psilocybin, anything that ever happened naturally with meditation, anything that have ever happened with D, DMT, anything that's ever happened with LSD, anything that's ever happened with ayahuasca. It blew away anything I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I said, I have to, I have to go back in again. I have to, I have to, I have to explore this to see what's going on here. So I started to realize that after I, I took the substance that um, I was having like a, a Kundalini activation process that was happening. So things would happen where my arms would just fly up on its own without my thinking. I had these twitches that were happening in my body. I've had, of having all these spasms. I wake up in the morning in a full spasm, full body spasm and all that type of stuff. And I'm sure a lot of people say, well, that should be, that should be, that should, that should cause some kind of concern. But I've read so much about Kundalini and what could happen during Kundalini at this point. I associated all of that with the Kundalini activation process. Um, so I knew something was happening and this, these type of things didn't happen to that degree before, um, through my years of meditation, right? Cause at this point now, uh, as of today, I've been meditating with brainwave and training for over 19 years at this point. Right. So, um, so when that took place, I said, Oh, the, Kuna, the, the Kundalini activation is really happening at this point. So I stuck with it. And then, um, two weeks later, I went back to the same practitioner and tried the session again. And, um, and so I did that another mind blowing session, um, that changed the way how I saw everything, even though I was always saying that everything is God, it just got to another level when I, um, when I, when I make that statement that everything is God. So, um, that took place. And then after some time went on and now we're in 2019 and every time the practitioner comes down to the Toronto, I'd go and see him and I'd do another session with him. And every session that I did with this guy was just absolutely just breathtaking, just surpass anything I've ever done, anything I've ever experienced. It gave me a whole new level of how I looked at the world, how I looked at the universe, everything. But that still wasn't it. That's the thing that, that, that blows my mind. That still wasn't it. So I'm running these experiments still, still doing, not, remember, now I'm doing energy. I'm not doing Holosync anymore. I'm doing energy. I'm, I'm perfecting my, uh, my, my, my the technology because I have different versions of energy, different ones for different, for different purposes and, and things of that sort. And then um, met up with him the last time with 5MEO. And again, that experience surpassed any five MEO experience that I ever that I ever did. This was so. The thing is, the thing is, when I talk to other people who've done the same substance with me, aren't having these same type of experiences, right? They're profound. They're they're you know they're they're mind blowing, but they weren't like what I was speaking about. So, in two thousand and two thousand and nineteen, in September, it was September third, two thousand and nineteen. Um, a spiritual guru comes to Toronto, right? His name is uh, Paramahamsa Vishwananda. So he comes to Toronto. And um, of course, uh, for, for those who don't know, Paramahamsa Vishwananda, he uh, performs darshan. And darshan means um, blessing from a guru, blessing of a guru, blessing from a guru. Uh, this is when a guru looks into your eyes. He may put his hand on your head. He or she may put their hand on your head, look into your eyes for like 20 seconds. And that's considered darshan. So whatever it is, whatever... Thing that you may be wishing for or if you're looking for spiritual development spiritual transformation you can do a, uh, a session of darshan and that will help you with that so i go down to see this guy and um i remember waiting in line it was it was quite a while and uh i finally got to see him so i went up in front of him he asked me a question but i couldn't hear what he was saying but he asked me a question and i said and he just said no that's okay and so he uh he put his hands on my head looks into my eyes for 20 seconds and he let me go and I'm thinking that when he put his hands on me, that I was going to have some kind of experience or something, because, you know, you hear these stories, 
but nothing happened. So I walked away and I went, hmm, okay, that was, what's everybody raving about, <laughs> so, right? What's everybody raving about? So I left, went on my way, but what I noticed that the same stuff that happened with the 5-MEO where I started getting the twitching and all that type of stuff started to happen after meeting this man. So I said, okay, there's something going on here. So I'm having the twitches, my body's doing all these weird stuff. I'm making, waking, waking up in the middle of the night in these spasms where my body, my upper body would fly forward and I'm shaking and then it, I fall back and then it, it dissipates and then I go back to sleep and it would happen over and over and over again. So all these things started happening again after a man looking into my eyes for 20 seconds. And then some, some time went on and then one day I wake up in the morning, I do my meditation. My meditation is over. I finish my meditation and it happened. Everything that could ever happen, that has happened, is happening and will happen, happened in that moment. All of existence, all creatures, all human beings, all animals, all insects, all microscopic creatures, all particles, always particles, subatomic particles, uh, vibrating strings, grain of sand, the planet, solar system, galaxy, galaxies, universes, multi-universes, alternate universes, everything happened simultaneously in that moment. And that was the moment I had the full realization that everything in the, ex in, in the entire existence is the Almighty. And that happened on December 14th, 2019. Wow. That experience alone, when that, when that took place, I, I, I don't even have words to even describe this. I can't even, like absolutely everything that could ever happen will happen. And also that won't happen, all happened in that, that period. Like it was, it, was the, it, was the, it was the experience of every possibility every probability, every impossibility, every improbability, everything happened in an instant. It was an experience where size didn't even matter. Um, this tiniest substance was the exact same as the entire universe. A grain of sand was the exact same as the entire earth. I experienced every birth, every death. Every birth that's ever happened, every birth that's happening now, and every birth that will happen in the future was experienced in that moment. Every death happened in that, in that experience. I experienced multiple, multiple, multiple big bangs that create everything into existence. So the birth and the death of the entire universe, all in one, but not as, uh, all happened simultaneously. So it's not like it was happening in a, in, a, in a linear fashion. It was all happening simultaneously. It got to the point where there was no diff difference between cause and effect. Cause and effect was, was exactly the same thing. Um, it was the realization that everything was of the same substance because before it was like everything's a manifestation of the divine or everything's the manifestation of the self. But in this moment, there was no difference between the, the dreamer and the dream. It was all just one thing. And everything is, there was nothing to see. I didn't see anything. This is the thing I want to make clear. It's not like I'm watching this happen. I am the very thing that it was happening to. So when people say, when people ask me, so did you have all knowledge? I was like, no. I became all knowledge. I said, did you realize anything? I was like, I would say, no, I became full realization. People will ask, so 
did you <laughs> did you gain any form of wisdom of slinger and understanding everything i became all wisdom all all that all activities all events all situations everything was included in this so it's not like god itself if you want to here's the thing too i'm using the word the term god but it was like god exists god doesn't exist that became one thing that became a presence of whatever you want to call it the everythingness and the nothingness became one thing right so the dreamer the dream one thing and even one is the bad term to use because it wasn't even one it wasn't even like a singular thing i just don't have a word for it but everything that could happen and, and, and has ever happened and will happen happened in that moment and it's happening right now so that's the thing that's tricky about this thing it's happening right now and so when someone asks so was enlightenment attained well there's nothing to attain because there's nothing for you to to get you are that very thing that you're trying to attain so <laughs> it was one of those experiences that it was so profound i can't find words to describe and again there was nothing to see because again because we're talking about the absolute uh um presence of non-duality you can't see anything because there's nothing outside of you to see because all of it is you too and this is why i can't explain to you why this is so important but there was nothing to see it was all first it was all a bright light i realized that i was entering into an ocean of consciousness and then once i dissolved in it my ego dissolved so there was no more me left there was no more morgan left i now just became everyone and everything living and non-living things everything planets stars i was every single everything supernova everything wormholes <laughs> other aliens everything everything all happened in that moment and there's nothing to see all all it is is just pure as disney not even the right term but just pure consciousness where you become the realization of absolutely everything. The thing that really got me at that moment, because I, I had the experience, the moment happened, that was enough. I don't think I can handle anymore after that because now my ego is coming back into to play after the experience happened. And now I'm sitting there, I'm crying, I'm bawling and laughing, but I also lost control of all my uh, body movements. So my whole body became, um, I think this is where Kundalini comes in, like a python snake, but it's not like a python snake was inside of me. I was the python snake, but there was no separation between the snake and the environment the snake is in. So as my body is doing all this stuff on its own, I have no control over any of my body movements, but all of a sudden what took place in that moment, um, every cell in my body, this is, how, this is how it was perceived anyway, because now my ego is coming back in. So I'm, I'm realizing I'm more than having an experience at this point. So the God thing is now slipping away, um, at least from the cosmic mind perspective. And now I'm back into the Morgan self, having this experience within my body. So in that moment, every cell, it felt like every cell in my body blossomed and opened up like a flower. And all of them shouted out with a loud voice saying, I am God in that moment. It got to the point where as everything was blossoming, all the cells were blossoming, um, white crystal, white crystal, uh, flower petals were pouring out of my head, just pouring thousands and thousands, sorry, not thousands, trillions of, uh, flower petals are pouring out of my head. And as they hit the ground, they would dissipate like ping, 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 as they hit the ground, everything was just pouring out of my skull, just like, like a rushing, like a rushing, uh, fountain of, of light pouring out of my head. <laughs> and I and I, and I laid there as my body as I lost all control of my body but as I, lo I lost control of my body 
it's like I became one with the ground that I was moving in or moving on, but there was no really no difference difference between me and the and the ground that I'm that I'm moving in. And everything around me, as I'm moving, the whole entire universe is moving with me as I'm moving with the entire universe. And then everything dissipated and I was back in my body. And from that day forward, um, even though people may say I look the same and, and whatever the case is, but from that moment on, um, transformation took place. Yeah, I don't know what to say after that, but a lot of crazy things happened after that. Actually, after, after that experience, for the next two and a half years, uh, I never had an experience like that again, but after the, the two next and, and a half years, uh, as I'm, when I'm meditating, I have like small peaks of these, uh, of these uh, peak experiences, of meditation ex experiences, not spiritual, not, not spiritual transfer, not spiritual, um, um, what word would I use? Not, not in the level of uh, transpersonal, transpersonal suchness, but more of these profound peak experience of meditation. And they would happen very often. It stopped for about a year. So it stopped for about a year. But of course, Paramahamsa Vishwananda came back. He came back, <laughs> he came back to Toronto. So I went to see him again um, this past uh, September, third, the third. He came down. Um, but this time he wasn't putting hands on people because due to the pandemic and everything. So he was just looking people in the eyes. So I went to see him. Um, he looked me in the eye. I walked away. And the triggers in the body started happening again. <laughs> All that stuff started happening again since I've seen him on the third. Also, I, I met with him many times online during the pandemic. So he was running sessions online um, during that time period. So altogether, I probably have seen this. I've probably seen him about many times at this point, but twice in person. That's remarkable. What is your experience like now as we're sitting here? Uh, that uh, experience was in late 2019. And now it's, I guess, three years later pretty much yeah. right three years later yeah. so what's your experience like now what was the transformation that you still have or experience day to day see this is the tricky part because on one sense in one sense it's like nothing changed i'm still the same me i still have my stuff and whatever and there's still things i need to work on in regards to uh psychological development of course what changed what what deep well now since that experience i became a vegan <laughs> right i got rid of all of that stuff so i'm now a vegan uh, which is a small thing it doesn't you don't have to have a spiritual uh a, a spiritual attainment to become a vegan of course but that's one thing that took place another thing that took place is uh the need for um certain attachments have gone away which i can say uh especially like things like uh sex and things of that sort like i still have sex but it it doesn't it's not in the same it's not in the same vein anymore. Something has deeply changed there. Also, also too, I would say, I was telling this to another person, I was doing another uh, interview podcast with another, with another gentleman. And at the time, which was about a year ago, I was trying to tell him that um, it's like my lower half of my body is shut down. Hmm. Yeah, so, I, so certain things doesn't happen sexually anymore, which is, um, it was hard to get used to because the reason why I think uh, all the transformation doesn't happen all at once is because I don't think the psyche is able to handle it. So when that took place where the, my bottom half, um, like I could still have an erection and things of that sort, but it, something happened in that, in, in that area where it doesn't have the same, it doesn't have the same impact anymore. It's, it's, it's a weird, weird thing. When I look at someone of the opposite sex, I just see a person of the opposite sex most of the times. 
uh, where before there was a there was a a, a desire. It was like, oh, now I just look and I just see another person. <laughs> it's 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 so weird. Yet at the same time, when I'm looking at that person, I also see uh, the divinity of that person. But of course, it's not as so it's not as prominent as the experience itself. But these are things that are still lingering as you go about your day to day. Um, so that's that's one thing that looks like it. And, and at this point, because at the at the point when I was telling telling the information to the other interviewer, I wasn't sure if this was was a permanent thing or not. I said this is probably just temporary, right? But now almost a year has gone by, and I'm still like this. And that happened at the moment. Uh, I felt that at the moment when the experience happened, that that part just shut down, or the energy is being used elsewhere. So now that energy is probably not used for sexual purposes, but it's used for energy to, um, you know, to probably to stimulate the the parts of the brain to 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 do like the higher uh consciousness work and, and all that type of stuff um what else has changed well i was telling the other uh, interviewer that everything has gotten super mundane everything is just it's not it's not a flatness it's just uh there's there's there isn't a lot of peaks and valleys per se it's just this thing it's just this middle thing this it just goes like that but if someone asked me, would I ever change that? My answer is no, I wouldn't change it because I'm not caught up now. I'm not, I don't seem to be caught up in a lot of the worldly stuff that happened. So even when the pandemic happened, I had a smooth time going through the pandemic. It was, I, I just saw it as an event per se, just a thing that was just happening. I just watched it happen and happen. I even caught COVID myself and I just watched it happen. Um, a lot of challenging things have happened um, because what I didn't mention during the, the time periods, but when I started with Holosync, uh, I started having a lot of kidney issues uh, in regards to a kidney stone. So I, I, the whole time I had a kidney stone, but I wasn't passing it. And so when I started doing Holosync, uh, it became aware to me. And uh, time, time later, I did pass that stone. But throughout the years, I would have like phantom pains and things of that sort within the, the same kidney. But um, what is interesting, though, is uh, last year, last year, September-ish, around this time last year, I started having these pains again. But in the opposite kidney, before all these years, I've had the pain in the left kidney. It started happening in the right kidney. Uh, I had to go to the doctors to find out what was going on. And um, apparently, there was, a, there was a new kidney stone developing in my right kidney. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because as I, I, I've gone through these attacks since September about maybe, gosh, maybe, maybe seven times, seven times. Hmm. It hasn't happened since January of this year. So seven times in that time period. And even though I was going through the worst pain of my life, there was a part of me that just watched it happen. That same mundane thing that was happening, that not that it's flat, but it was just watching as I went through it. And I found that very interesting, how I was able to go to such, 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 uh, such, such a painful um, episode and still was able just to watch it happen, it even though it was, just hap it was happening within my own body. So things like that have changed in regards to the witness has, has become more prominent in a sense, which was different than the one before. Like from the first time back in 2008, uh, it seems that I can, I'm able to move through life events a lot more smoothly. Yeah, I still, I still have, I'm, I'm, I don't want people to believe that I'm calm in every situation, right? I may be in a situation where I'm not so calm, but there's a part of me that's watching the whole thing happen and that remains calm as my body, as who I am, is acting out whatever it is that's acting out in the moment. Yeah, but I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't change it. Um, there's something really, really, as much as it's, it's very, it's subtle. It's nothing, anything that's magnificent or anything like that, but it's something that, um, it, it does make a huge difference in how you go about your day-to-day -day business. And do you have a sense that this is a conclusion or 
a kind of final stage or do you have the sense that more there may be more to come and if you do have a sense that there may be more to come you have um a sense of what that might be that's a good question because here's the thing that experience that happened on on december 14th 2019 there's a sense of, there's a part of me that hopes that never happens again <laughs> as profound that it as, as it was it is also very traumatizing um it, but in a positive way, I don't know if I even, if that even makes sense. But in a positive way, very traumatizing. Um, I'm still dealing with the issues that happened on that day. Like there's days where I wake up in cold sweat, um, having just glimpses of, of that experience that would happen. So the idea of that happening again, I hope that's it. But I am open to to more if that's if that's what if that's what my calling is. I'm open to it. But there's a part of me, the ego part of me says, I hope that was it, because that was very traumatizing, to be honest with you. But is it over? I don't find that it's over. I still feel that there's more to come in regards to my development, my growth. I don't, I don't think that I don't think this ends. I know I, I've heard people say that it's complete and it's and it and it it has ended. I, I I understand what they're saying, because that part does feel complete. It really does. Um, but from the psychological standpoint, I can see where there's there's much more to go, where I can go into um, even to the deeper levels of um, the higher levels of the world centric stage and such uh, uh, in regards to the psychological development. If you listen to Ken Wilber's work in regards to um, the psychological psychological development. So after that, that experience, I did go take uh, lessons in, in that field. So I did an 18 month course in regards to learning about integral theory and uh, the different stages from the egocentric stage all the way up to the cosmocentric stage and, and so on. So, I find that, I'll be honest, I find that to be complete in regards to the waking standpoint. I can't see anything higher than this level of Tiriatita that I've experienced, but I do see where outside of the Tiriatita in, re, in regards to the psychological development where uh, I can see the development still happening. And I'm sure, even though I just said what I just said, I am sure there are higher, higher levels of Tiriatita. I'm sure there is, because this thing is infinite, right? But um, it does feel complete. Something happened in that moment where I said, I did it, this is it, there's nothing more to do. But remember, this is a paradox. So as much as there's nothing more to do, there is much more to do. Hmm. Can you say something more about this traumatized in a good way? <laughs> well, like, again, I was saying, like, I wake up, there's, morning, there's mornings where I wake up in cold sweat, where I wake up after having, so there's sometimes where um, when I'm in deep sleep, when I'm not dreaming, the experience will uh, not to that same degree will happen and it's so profound in that moment where i wake up and sometimes i wake up and i'm crying i'm crying or i'm laughing or i'm just really just covered in sweat um as as my heart's pounding rapidly after having um, having these these minor experiences happening in my deep sleep dreamless sleep uh, um sessions it happens it doesn't happen every night but it happens from time to time um, what also happens, though, is in my everyday life, like something will happen. So let's say, for example, um, this happened before uh, I met up with you this morning, where I was going to a segment, uh, a segment that I was doing for my YouTube channel. And I was fast forwarding a segment that I was doing just to get to a, to, um, a certain section in the video. And as I was watching my, my, my whole body move in this fast pace, something about what took place was very, I, don't, I can't explain what it was. It's, it was a sense of qualia as I was watching the movements happen. And as I'm watching it, I found something very profound in the movement that was being made in that moment. I can't even explain what it is. It's something I said, I got, I got to mention this to Steve when I see him, I can even verbalize it. But something happened in that moment. This thing happens all the time where 
I could just be having a conversation with someone, just having a regular conversation, and the person just scratches their head. There's something about the movement between um, the hand being at this position and the hand being at this position that I find so profound. I don't know what it is, but it's just these things that happens in everyday life that are so, that catches my attention and make me go, whoa, still divinity. But I can't explain what that thing is. I can't explain if it's something happening in slow motion. Sometimes I hear a sound. I remember one time I was outside and there was construction happening close to where I live. And it was just construction that was happening. And I'm listening, I'm sitting there on the bench and listening to these sounds from the construction. And that construction just became, it just became divine. Something about it just became music as I was listening to it. And I went, whoa. Um, there's moments again where I wake up in the middle of the night and I wake up, this happened um, a week before last week. I woke, I was sleeping and I woke up and it wasn't anything that was profound. It was so subtle, but it really, really grabbed my attention where um, I want to say that I became the room and the room became me, but it's nothing that profound. It was just a sense of connection between me and the room. Um, these things happen all the time, whether I'm at work or whatever. These moments just happen where it comes and it goes. And I just wait for the next one. And it just keeps happening over and over again. But in regards to the trauma, it's like, it's like a sense of, uh, of uh, post-traumatic stress, stress syndrome. <laughs> How do I explain this? It's like post-traumatic stress, stress syndrome, but for the positive. So it's just these moments where there's a part of me that says, oh, I, I, wish I, I wish to experience this again. And there's another part that says, whoa, no, 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 no. But Morgan, in that moment, you died. Because that was a, a total ego death, right? It's like, Morgan, you died in that moment. Why would you want to go through that? And I, and I catch myself say, yeah, you're right. Why would I want to go through something like that again? And then I just move on. Um, but that happens a lot. So, it, so sometimes when I think about the moment, I feel like my heart stops. Like, <laughs> as I think about any, yeah, so... Any, anytime there's a sense of oneness, um, uh, I can feel my heart going to a rapid heartbeat. A anytime there's a moment of oneness, and it can happen with anything. Someone could be counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. By the time you hit nine, <laughs> and then it goes away. Hmm. Uh, it's just these little tiny things that no one, no one notices, notices them. Uh, it's not like anyone says, Morgan, are you okay? It's nothing like that. It's just something that I catch in the moment, and I'm like, and then I just go on with my day. And it happens a lot, it happens every day. Yeah, because there's not a moment where I'm not thinking about this, right? So this happens every day. So I'll be doing something, and it hasn't happened while I was doing this interview, but so I'll be doing something, and I get a moment, I catch myself, and then I carry on about uh, uh, with whatever it, is, whatever it is that I'm doing. Incredible. Yeah. You have been, uh, you mentioned your YouTube channel, you mentioned your blog, the mystic formerly known as Morgan O. Smith. Um, can you say a little bit about the ways in which you've been expressing this journey and expressing these experiences and insights that you've been having through writing also through video etc can you say something about that well um those blocks came about i don't remember how i started those blocks but these these this is going back this is going back um this is going back 2000 and i don't remember when did i start doing those things it was at least it was at least seven eight years ago that I started, I started just, just writing down, writing down. So anytime I had any of these experiences, uh, I'd be inspired to write a piece and I'd just write a piece and then I'll just post it. And whoever reads it, reads it. And whoever doesn't, doesn't. Uh, and it's not like these things ever got lots of viewers or anything like that. It's just something that I would post. And once in a while, I get an email from someone saying they're really inspired by reading um, any, any of my pieces. 
Um, but it, it but it did a lot of good it did a lot of good stuff though. Um, it got to a point where uh, a colleague of mine, a friend and colleague of mine, he used to read um, these blogs, and uh, he would read a lot of my quotes. And he was in, so he was inspired by it. And he came to me one day and he says, "Hey, I want to write a book, uh, a whole book based on your based on your quotes." And I said, "Sure." I, I didn't take I didn't take him serious. I was like, "Yeah, that'd be great." Because many people have come to me with things like that. Say, "I want to write a, a whole book about you in regards to these experiences and things like that." And I said, "Yeah, great. Let's let's do it." And I don't hear back from them. But in this case. Uh, I think maybe a month or two passed by and he came back with a rough manuscript, a whole like whatever, 200 pages <laughs> or something, um, uh, uh, giving his interpretation of my quotes. And I, I read them over and he says, yeah, let's do, let's do this project together. So he got me to write, um, he took 50 of my quotes, wrote uh, something for each quote. And then he, he got me to, um, to write the forward and the, and the, and the um, what do you call the, the ending part? And the extra, the intro and the extra for the book. And then it came out uh, some years ago. And um, yeah, so it, it, it did some good just by um, posting these, uh, posting these, um, these quotes and these different uh, pieces of poetry and things that I, would, uh, that I would post from time to time. I don't do them often. Um, with the quotes though, there was a time period I was doing that every day. Uh, things were just pouring out of my head. But once in a while, I'll put together like a full piece and I would publish it. And I have many more that I've never published. I, I have many more that are sitting in my sitting in my in my um, my hard drive right now, uh, which have never been posted. And uh, I've actually written a number of books I've never I've never published, <laughs> so they're just sitting there. Um, but right now I'm I am in the midst because of all the work that I've did with I, I've done with um, doing these uh, these posts. Um, I did recently write a book. I, I wrote a new book, but this book is based on energy on the brainwave entrainment that I created some years ago, which I've gotten hundreds of people. To do actually thousands of people to 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 do, uh, so I have people who are on the program who are doing it and who are getting great results from using energy, and uh, so I decided uh, to put a book together. So after when I met with um, Paramahamsa Vishwananda, one of the other things that happened, I was inspired to write. So in three days, I wrote a rough draft for a book, hmm. just after meeting this man, and so I put it together, the rough draft, and um, right now it's in the stages of, um, of it's in the editing stages right now. So uh, right now it's being edited. And uh, hopefully by early next year, um, there will be a book called um, Bodhi, Bodhi in the Brain. And that's just based on uh, what can happen when you use the, the energy, the energy um, program in, in, in conjunction with other um, methods. Uh, so that's in the works right now. And I'm working on another book right now. Uh, I finished the first draft of it. It's called, um, this is based on uh, unified theory. So uh, unified, unified quantum theory. So I'm, I'm going to talk about spiritual enlightenment from the standpoint of quantum of um of unified theory and that book is probably going to most likely be called um playing the field and so i'm working on that right now as we speak so um at some point once this first book is finished editing i'm going to send this uh manu this rough manuscript over to the editor to get that one going and there's a number a number of other uh pieces of literature i'm working on too uh i have one i want to write a book which i've started on I'm probably like 18,000 words in. I started another book in regards to um, um, enlightenment uh, expressing itself in different ways through different personality types, so different personality traits and things of that sort. Because I think a lot of people have this thing that if someone reaches enlightenment, that everyone acts the same, that anyone who has this, uh, this thing that you call quote unquote enlightenment, that um, there's, there's certain qualities, well, there are certain qualities that a person would have. But I think, they, uh, I think people recognize one or two uh, types and all the other personality types get kind of ignored because people don't recognize them. So I wanted to put a book together of what would possibly happen 
if, if, if enlightenment occurred through different personality types. Yeah, and there's another one that I'm working on. I think I'm 22,000 words in on that one. There's another one I'm working on called, um, I don't have a title for this one, but this one, this book is based on um, archetypes, uh, the different types of archetypes that people identify in regards to a quote unquote enlightened person or a sage, um, a seer, a seer, a sage, a mystic, and a saint. So that's another one that's um, kind of stuck on that one. The most I put that on the back burner for now, but right now I'm trying to finish up uh, playing the field, which is the one about uh, looking at spiritual enlightenment from the standpoint of uh, unified theory. Wow, you know, we might have to do a sequel. <laughs> you know what? And you know what I think it would be interesting to do in a sequel would be specifically to trace the your creative life in reference to all these experiences you've had. Uh, we didn't cover it today, and. Cover yeah, yeah, perhaps we'll cover in the sequel. You started off in music, as you as you said. Then you went into stand-up comedy, and as you as you mentioned, uh, had a hit TV show, award-winning um, Gemini award-winning TV show, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You had that whole side that, that you 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 referred to it, but you didn't detail it. And yeah. now you know now your creativity is coming out in all these other ways, writing um, books and, and YouTube videos and so on. So I'd be very curious um, to take that creative track and trace that and how this these experiences that we've laid down in this episode um, have affected your creative journey um, and that'd be interesting expression. yeah yeah I that'd be very interesting <laughs> but i but i can't um re restrain this question though what sort when you talked about these different personality types what are some of the lesser known or lesser recognized personality types that you are writing about in that particular book uh well in this one I wanted to cover, I'm trying to see if I can go into detail with this, with this book here. I wanted to cover, you see how they have the, um, the different personality tests mm. that people can take to find out if they're, uh, if they're this type, that type, whatever. I can't remember them off the top of my head at the moment, but I have to go back to my document. So they have these different personality types because one time I was doing a session uh, with, uh, with um, when I was taking on uh, integral theory, uh, we had a session on person on personality types and how, um, certain personality types are fixed and they can't be changed. So the, the, um, some of the stuff that came out of that session was about um, was about um, what happens if a person is um, type A, whatever, and how spiritual enlightenment would exp be expressed through that person or type B personality type and, and things of that sort. But the other thing that was that that was intriguing was, um, which I'm going to add either in this book or it's going to be a separate book on its own with multi multiple intelligences, how uh, how enlightenment will express itself through people with different um, uh, intelligences. Right. So you have you have um, mathical, logical, you have spatial, you have um, spatial kinesthetic, you have uh, inter, inter, interpersonal, interpersonal, spiritual, uh, musical, and there's a few, there's one, one of them missing, I can't remember which one I'm missing, and how would enlightenment be expressed through those mediums, mm. right, so uh, that's something that I'm going to try to explore once I get more into that, but once I get around to it, because I got so inspired that I opened up all these these book opportunities. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to finish this in time. So I, I have them sitting there. So I know that it's something for me to work on. But yeah, but it's about the different personality types. Um, but I want to use in this book, I may I want to use different models. So I want to look at the different models that experts have been using, the, the models that they created, and try to look at it from each of these models. But it's going to be hard to do is that because I have to really explore them to see what's happening. Because I can explore my stuff very easily. 
but it gets a little more difficult when it comes to exploring people where I may not have a certain personality type and try to see what what could be happening um, from a theory from a theory, uh, from a theory standpoint, what could be happening in other people if they have a strong sense of um, um, interpersonal skills. Interpersonal skills is not really my my best skill, but so I want to look at people with high interpersonal skills and what happens with people of that sort. So I wonder, I wonder if, say, people like, for example, uh, Paramahamsa Vishwananda, did he already have a strong interpersonal skill where he's able to meet hundreds of people every day and be able to perform these darshans? Because I know with me, once I meet 50 people, I'm out. Like, that's it. Like, I, I, need, I need to take a break. I need to go home. I need to, like, purge. I need to do something. I can't, <laughs> right? But I watch this man work with hundreds and hundreds of people and doesn't seem to, like, skip a beat. Right. So I wonder, because I know people say, well, these things were enhanced after spiritual enlightenment. I'm not too sure about that. I think what pro what's probably happening is you already had certain traits and those things, those traits get enhanced um, after after that moment. So I wonder with him, if it was is uh, interpersonal skills always been a strong point with him. And, and you can go on with other people with another person. One of my strong points is intrapersonal skills. And I think the reason why I was able to tap in the way that I did. Because again, there's a lot of us, there's other people with me who are working on this stuff and they haven't tapped into these areas except for like maybe three people who, who have at least reached stream entry. And um, I wonder if that happened to me because I have really, really strong interpersonal skills where I'm able to look within and I wonder if that plays a role. So I, I, I want to cover it from that end, um, at least when it comes to people with interpersonal skills and see what happens there. Um, of course, you have people with strong uh, spiritual uh, intelligence, which I have as well, but I don't think I had that throughout my life. I think that's something that developed over time. Mm. So it's different for different people. Another thing I may want to, uh, I may want to um, cover as well, if I get around to this, is I question, I question some of the practices that we have. Like say, for example, um, say to say if you're Buddhist, all right? And I, I, I love the philosophy and everything like that, but I wonder when, um, when people follow the Buddha, were those qualities unique to the Buddha? Hence why it's really hard for us to reach some of these, to, to attain some of these qualities, because it could be unique to the Buddha. So just say if the Buddha had a, and I'm not, I'm not sure if this is the case, but just say he had a, an issue with um, cleanliness or something. Uh, and this is, it could be like a disorder or something that he actually has, but he became enlightened. The disorder doesn't go away. That's another thing that people have to realize that when you have these experiences and you transform, it doesn't mean that those things transform with you. They may stay the same. So just say if you had a disorder, where you had a problem with um, certain things being out of place. What is that called again? When you have uh, OCD? Yeah. That's what it is, right? So just say if you already had uh, OCD as a disorder and then you became, and then you attained enlightenment. OCD doesn't go away. You just now look at OCD from a, from a, a broader standpoint. And then that may end up in your teachings. And then and people try to, try to mimic that as they try to, to be like you. And I wonder if that plays a, if that plays a role in regards to um, what people consider. And then after time goes on, people consider that to be enlightened traits when they're not really necessarily enlightened traits. These are just traits that the, that, that individual already had, right? So I want, I want to, at some point, explore that as well. So um, I'm not sure if that's going to fit into this book. That may be something on its own in regards to like disorders or what we consider in the West as disorders and see if any of those things play a role in regards to um, how people come out as they come out. Because... With a lot of the practices that I've been doing personally, you may have heard this from other people, there are certain things that just don't seem to change. 
<laughs> right? And, and that part is, is, is that part is a little disappointing, I, I guess, to some degree. But there's certain things that doesn't seem to change. And uh, and if you, you talk to me, if I go deeper in this stuff, I've worked hard at this stuff. And there are certain things that don't seem to change, whereas there's other things that just change like that in an, in an instant. So I, I, I question certain things. Of course, the argument can come up, well, maybe you haven't gone far enough yet. That's, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. But I, I question these things, um, uh, especially when it comes to um, those who are who are become more socially isolated. And some people look at that as a, as a sign of enlightenment. I, I don't necessarily say it is. I say it's probably a personality type. Hmm. I could be wrong, right? But I think it's more of a personality type, um, a type of person that would do something like that. But that doesn't necessarily happen because the person became quote unquote enlightened. That's uh, just part of the personality type. So these are things that I may want to explore and question, and you know, and just just to just to just for people just to think uh, about any of these areas to see if there's any truth to it. Because I don't know if it if it is true. It's just something that I've I noticed throughout the years. Even the same guy I was talking about earlier, um, the first guy I met who people claim to be enlightened. He still has a lot of his quirks that you watch and you question. You're like, hmm, right? Isn't, isn't that shouldn't that change? But after taking uh, integral theory and learning that um, there are things that don't change necessarily um, in regards to the states of consciousness, there are things that change with the stages of, of psychological development. But with the stages with the states of consciousness, though, you can be at the highest level of of of, of, um, of uh, non-dual suchness and still be an asshole. Right. And that's very, and I know there's people that push back on that. So no, that can't be it. I can't be. I'm like, uh, trust me on this one. <laughs> there are certain, and there's people I've met um, where they, they didn't make the claim of being enlightened, but other people have made the claim that this, this person is, an, is enlightened on some level. And I've met people who uh, I consider to be racist. Yet I found them to be very influential, very, very appealing on some level. But in my opinion, Based on how I was treated by them, I found them to be, to be very racist. But again, from the standpoint that I'm looking at it, I don't take that away from the person. But some people will say, well, how can you be at this high level of consciousness and be a racist? Well, like, I'm like, well, if Ken Wilber's right in regards to this, these states of consciousness, you could be. It's not doesn't mean it's not something you shouldn't work on, but it may have nothing to do with the states of consciousness. It has more to do with the psychological development. So you can be at the highest level of of, of, um, of um, uh, uh, conscious uh states of consciousness but yet still be at the level of ethnocentric the ethnocentric stage where it's only about you and your group right whether that be race uh gender political party nation whatever that is right it's only about you and your group no one else and, and you can still be at the highest level of of, of um of non-dual suchness yet still be stuck in these lower stages right so it goes right back we still have things to work on so these are the things I may want to cover as time goes on, if my if 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 I'm able to, because again, after meeting this man and had and, and had this ability to just have all this information pour out of my skull, uh, I do hit points where <laughs> where I, I just fall back and it's like you know I can't I can't do anything creatively right now. Like right now as we speak, for the last three days, I haven't been able to really do that as much. Um, but I hope this is only temporary because I have to get this work done. So I hope that's temporary. Um, um, and plus, you know, so many things have happened in the last week, uh, work and all that stuff. And sometimes it's stressful working with, I don't know, uh, I, I'm a youth worker, so I work with um, marginalized youth and families. Uh, I also work with um, uh, youth who are on the spectrum and also people with intellectual dis disabilities and all that. So working in this field every day can get really, really stressful at times too. So uh, there's all that going on, but I hope to get all this stuff done and see where it takes me.
Fascinating. Well, this has been an amazing conversation, Morgan. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Perhaps to finish, I might ask you, if someone's listening to this and saying, wow, I want to go on that path, um, I want to explore the possibilities that might lay ahead for me along the sorts of lines that you've been, you've, you've been sharing here, what advice would you have? Would you include Unergy as part of that as a recommendation, you know, mm-hmm. seeing, seeing, seeing that sort of technology was so, has, has been so uh, key for you? What would you advise to somebody who, who was inspired uh, to, to also explore these realms? First, first, I would say, be careful what you wish for. All right, because as much as uh, this was uh, this led to the greatest thing that I believe that could ever possibly happen to me, it came with its challenges. I want I want people to really understand that. So um, there's a lot of the story that I, I didn't mention. Um, there is there are stories that I have about the dark parts of this, where you enter into the the, the realms of hell, and you have to deal with all. When I say hell, I don't mean like the fiery uh, furnace version, but more of the the human uh, atrocities. Uh, all the things that you have to purge out of out of yourself uh, before you can reach these higher levels. So there are really there like or the dark nights of the soul. So there are periods that um, you may have to go through. And if you're not willing to go through that, um, based on my knowledge and experience, it may not be the path for you. But if it's something that you're willing to go through, uh, be careful what you wish for. But really, really keep that into consideration that. Um, you're gonna be you're gonna be traveling in some dark paths that um, most people will never, never will never trail through. So I, I want people to keep that in mind. But if it's something that a person who's out there and says, you know what, give it to me. This is what I'm looking for. I do recommend uh, Energy or products like Energy. There's Holosync as well. There's Hemisync. Hemisync does a different thing, but there's Hemisync. There is iAwake. There's there's great products out there. Um, my product is not very established in regards to the marketing and the branding and all that stuff. Like thousands of us have been using it in five different countries, uh, but I haven't taken it to the point where it's branded and all that yet, which should be the next step. Uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes because I'm writing a book about it. So it's like I have to brand it on some level, but uh, I do recommend it. Anyone can contact me. Um, again, you look me up right now, you won't find the website, <laughs> right? But you can hit hit me up on my link tree and you'll find all my connections there. You, you, uh, my email's there. You can get a hold of me. People can email me directly. Um, that's how people have gotten a hold of me and um, they have tried Unergy. And, uh, and I'll admit there's people who've tried Unergy and they said it's too much for them. Uh, and they're not doing psychedelics or anything. They're just doing Unergy and um, realizing that uh, a lot of the repressed stuff really starts to come up and you have to be ready for those type of things. I, for some reason, probably because of my background, because of all the, the trauma that I have gone through, I probably I probably developed a higher threshold to deal with things of that sort. Uh, why it's something that I just do, but I've met other people who've done this. Says oh, this is too much for me. Mm-hmm. But there are easier. I believe there are easier paths. Like you don't have. To, it doesn't have to be as aggressive like with what we're doing. There's passive, more passive methods that you can do. But I do question if it comes to in regards to waking up. I don't think waking up is an easy process for anyone. Right. Even though you do hear cases of people who had sudden enlightenment and they um, and they ended up in this, this uh, non-dual such as without any work. But what I do hear from experts that regardless, uh, even those people, they deal with the psycho- psychological stuff afterwards. Where with, uh, with us, we've dealt with a lot of the psychological stuff prior to the experience. So it's gonna happen to you uh, regardless. So you have to be ready for that. And if you're ready for that, hit me up by all means, look me up. Because uh, 
at the end of the day, um, this is the greatest investment I've ever made in my entire life. I say this hands down. People ask me, is it greater than this? Greater than, yes, it's greater, it's greater than the birth of my children. It's greater than, <laughs> people hate when they hear that, but it's greater than that. It's greater than my wedding day. It's greater than uh, winning awards. It's greater than uh, uh, fame, because I you know, had a lot of Canadian fame. Greater than that. Greater than the greatest surprise party you can ever have. Greater than the greatest sexual orgasm you can possibly have. Greater than all those things and more. Right, I, I say this with full confidence. This has been the greatest experience of my entire life, probably my entire existence. So if this is something that you're looking for, it's there. But again, be careful what you wish for. Morgan O. Smith, thank you very much. My pleasure, Steve. Thank you for listening to another Guru Viking podcast. For more interviews like these, as well as articles, videos, and guided meditations, visit www.guruviking.com.